0: this is the infatuation podcast where i get together with a few friends to talk about asian things and asian people that we love i'm your host curtis and on today's episode we will be getting our grub on and talking asian food I'm happy to have some people talk food with me. Always, always good to talk food with people. But I'm happy to invite two guests with me. I have Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Hi. How's it going?
1: Good, good. I'm happy to talk about food too. Bring it on.
0: Honestly, Lisa, you were the first person. When I thought about doing this show, you were the first person I thought of because I've been kind of uh, stalking isn't the right word but I've been following your Instagram (laughs) for years and you take gorgeous pictures of food you seem to enjoy food would it be safe to say that you live around food and for food
1: I definitely do and I think food is like definitely one of the things that I take very seriously in life um being in the Bay Area, very fortunate that we get to explore so many different um, flavors and expand our palate. And that's difficult in some countries. So I am definitely feeling that food is so important to me that it decides where I can live and I can't live.
0: <laughs> yeah, And you even uh, even the Bay Area wasn't enough for you. You had to go to Korea and Hong Kong. Where where else have you been to to eat food and try food?
1: Oh, so uh, I've been to Korea, Hong Kong, Taiwan, um, China, and Japan so far. I definitely have so many more places I still need to explore. But as you can tell, Asian food is definitely like one of my favorites and kind of like a staple that is my comfort food that I always go to. Yeah, we're going to talk.
0: We'll definitely talk Asian food today. That's our whole premise here. And we have Aaron. Hey Aaron, how's it going?
2: Good. Hi. Thanks for having me.
0: I remember Aaron, not too long, it was not even that long ago, when Aaron messaged me one day like, hey, I'm trying to get into food photography. You know, your sister's in the industry. If you guys don't know, my sister kind of does a lot of food events. But she was like, How do I get in? And and I was like, I don't know. My sister said just do just work. Just get some jobs and work around food. And and now Aaron uh is a professional food photographer. Uh, she has worked with companies such as Uber Eats, Chipotle, the Food Network, and over 250 restaurants, so you're living the dream, Aaron. You were dreaming about this like four or five years ago, and now you're living that's it. That's
2: right, and that's so funny that you mentioned that, because I one, that was, I can't believe that's been five years ago, but your sister actually emailed me maybe like a year and a half or so ago, um, because I know she was working with Tartine for a while, or she still does work mm-hmm. with them, and... Um, the project, we, we didn't end up working together at the time, but I was like, that's so funny. I was trying to reach out to you like five years ago. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that, that's a cool connection there, but yes, thank you. I do That was so cool. Um, but yeah, thank you.
0: That is cool.
2: Yeah. I've checked out your Instagram. Really nice. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Both of you value the look of the food almost as much as the taste <laughs> of the food, but it's just pretty cool. I, I threw this out there, uh, last episode about K-dramas. About the number one Asian import or export around the world, and uh, you can make a case for Korean dramas, or I think Lisa brought up yeah. Korean skincare is a big deal. But I, I, I think in terms of total love and total volume, I think it's food. I think, I think the number one Asian export around the world is food. And uh, let's see. Let me ask you a couple quick questions. Um, since you guys are kind of in the food industry a little bit. When do you realize you had a, a love affair with food? When when did this happen for you guys?
1: For me, I think my love for food has started at a very young age because my dad is a chef. So not to say that I have standards, but um, because his food is pretty good. So I do. <laughs> I, I am a little bit judgy on the food when it comes to taste and texture Um, So I would say at a really young age, and uh, one of the funny stories is that I have a really huge appetite ever since I was a kid, and being Asian, I eat like five bowls of rice for dinner, and that's just like dinner. So I I don't think there was a realization that I love food. I've just always been such a big food fan, because I have friends who just like, they don't really eat, and I don't understand it.
0: Yeah, there's that saying in French, I think it's like some people eat to live and other people live to eat, right?
1: Yes, you're right. I just realized I have a friend where uh, he's a great friend of mine. But when I said I have a love for food and I have all these like descriptions of flavors and he's just like, I consume it because I need energy, but it doesn't really matter how it takes.
2: I had a friend, yeah, like that too. He was like, if I could get all my nutrients in one pill a day, like I would be fine with that. And I was like, what? wait, what? Like, I, I think this <laughs> might be the end of our friendship. <laughs> like, yeah. what kind of thinking I is that? I just think it's weird.
0: How about you, Aaron? Did you have a moment where you realized, man, food is, is great. I love it.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know. I also grew up loving food. I grew up in a big family where that was, and and my grandma lived with us. So parties and family gatherings always happened at my place, but I can distinctly remember a time when I started seeing food as more than just like, you know, food and tasty things. It was like in college when this was around the time when like Netflix started like coming out with a bunch of these documentaries. And I like very much remember watching Jiro Dreams of Sushi and really starting to appreciate you know how you just said like some people you know live or eat to live live to eat There, like I first saw people who like not just cook to live but like live to cook and that was what really kind of I think really captivated me about the world of like restaurants and food in general is like all these stories and all this uh the, the craftsmanship of cooking and food that was what really made me dive into that world even more um not just as like a you know, a consumer of like food and liking to eat, but like just really someone who likes to hang out with people with stories like that. Um, So those documentaries, like what else? Like Mind of a Chef. I don't know if you guys remember that on Netflix, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. whole group of chefs like with David Chang and Rene Redzepi and um, that whole crew really, I think, helped me see like the artistry behind food. And I think that's when I really started yeah, like having yeah. food a lot, I can agree lot on more. that, especially like when you. I think
1: everyone, when they see a pretty picture of like food, they just think it's like you click the picture and it's there, but you don't don't realize like how much work needs to be mm-hmm. put into it, like from the styling, um, from choosing the mm-hmm. right garnishments, and also like mm-hmm. when you see the chefs actually in action, all the like really precise pieces that they put together in order to create such an art piece in front of you
0: yeah totally i threw a question out to you guys about asian food facts i just looked this up did you know that china uses 45 billion pairs of chopsticks per year but actually that does that sounds like a lot but when you think about (laughs) it's actually only two or three pairs per month for your average (laughs) person in china but 45 billion chopsticks a year.
1: Yeah. And just to uh, piggyback on the chopstick thing, there was actually like a commercial that they created uh, where it was about chopsticks, like revolving around chopsticks. And, you know, as an Asian, chopsticks mean it's like the first tool you use to eat, right? And then um, if you watch the video, it's actually really sweet because it's like chopsticks at different events when you're like a child or at a wedding and when it's also uh like when it's new years it's the gathering and then that part made me cry because back in china it's like um people are in villages and then sometimes like their families are far away and can't come back so like Um, they were having their family gathering and one of their neighbors was just like going home and they were just it's okay just come over and like and eat with us and then you know that typical Chinese saying was which is like it's okay it's just an extra chopsticks and I was just like oh I cried
0: yeah that I'll put a link to that in the show notes but that that chopsticks video is pretty touching yeah
2: right Yeah. yeah I also cried in that (laughs) (laughs)
0: a bunch of softies here we got a bunch of softies
2: we just love eating and we love people (laughs) yeah it's
1: just so sweet it touched my heart um i think the one food fact i think is real is that if you know asian food it all always has some kind of superstitious symbol to it because of the name or the ingredient um that is used with and you know very basic noodles are for longevity and Um, If it's the longer it is and it doesn't break, it's supposed to like be like you can live longer or like, you know, during New Year's, there's a bunch of food that you eat that is uh, resembling prosperity because it's the tangerine and it sounds like so it's very interesting to me that we always have very specific meanings to our food. And I think it's sweet in a way because um, carrying on that tradition and just like kind of wishing luck upon everyone through a delicious way.
0: I was going to say, too, I I always thought it was weird growing up that, you know, when you order a duck or a chicken or a fish, they always put the head (laughs) <laughs> and the butt and I'm like why do we need the head looking at me you know little kids you need the whole thing but it's the yeah it's the symbolism of the whole you know no don't waste anything it's the it's the whole life of that animal and the whole life of you it's kind of it's it is sweet it's just something about it that it's more than just eating right it, it's life it's like a culture which is really cool
1: yeah and I, I feel like it kind of brings a meaning to the dish too like when you eat it and then like you know growing up you'll Say your mom cooked something for you, and then she told you that it means this way eventually, when you eat it again it's going to bring that memory back
0: yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah there's intense memories with food when sometimes you eat something it totally. totally reminds you of something
2: yeah,
1: Aaron,
0: you got a fun food fact for us?
2: I do, um and this is something I was talking to a friend about recently, but um and some people have learned more about this, but Growing up, I don't know about you guys, but MSG was always seen you know, as something super bad for you. Um, mm-hmm. and it was always like, oh, like don't eat too much of, you know, this this stuff or like at restaurants, because there's always MSG in it. And that was seen very, very negatively. But there's actually no proven research that MSG is bad for you. There's nothing bad about it, and it's actually a naturally occurring. Um, amino acid, and it's found in lots of foods like tomatoes, cheese, uh, steaks. it's yeah. yeah, it's just like nature's umami. And it's really, yep. really delicious. And it was uh, this idea that Chinese food specifically has a lot of MSG and that it's bad for you kind of came out of uh, some poorly written research in the 60s, uh, which coined the term like Chinese restaurant syndrome. Like, if you Uh, eat at too many Chinese restaurants, like, you're going to get, you know, lethargic and feverish and sluggish and all that. And that is all actually super unfounded. So, eat that MSG, everyone. It's delicious. It was just a
0: letter to the editor, too. It wasn't even, like, a research paper. It was just, it was a a Chinese or a Hong Kong doctor, and he wrote into Science or Nature Magazine.
2: Something like that. Yeah. And he wasn't even, like, a researcher in MSG. Like, and I think it was, like, anecdotal stuff from his friends who, like, ate at Chinese restaurants right. and felt tired. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I love me yeah. some MSG. <laughs> oh, I definitely
2: agree. That's right. It, so it makes everything more delicious. I think it's interesting that even growing up, like even my own parents like would be like, Oh, yeah, like there's a lot yeah. of MSG in that like they bought into that, you know, bad research as well. And so many restaurants say on their menu, like, Oh, no MSG added as if yeah. you know because obviously since it was vilified now saying you don't have MSG is obviously a good thing right um so that's just something i feel like we now have to retroactively go back and be like actually <laughs> yeah. so
0: hard though once it's in the culture it's so hard
2: exactly so this is us like going back revisionist <laughs> yeah i definitely like googled it myself too and i was
1: like there's nothing wrong with msg actually and then um it I think they were just saying it's like similar to, you know, like when the flavor umami was very popular, it's just a form of that. And I think the only thing like my parents really think of MSG is like, because it's salty, when you eat too much, you want to keep drinking water because you feel thirsty. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. Let's do a couple quick questions from my guests. Uh, What's your go-to Asian comfort food?
2: Uh, For me, it's, Lap tong fan, lap tong lap fan, which is a uh, clay pot rice. Oh yeah, Chinese sausage, Chinese. Uh, I guess you would call it cured pork belly. Oh, uh, but yeah. lap lap, lap yolk. and actually I really like lap app also, which is cured duck. Ooh. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do a quick shout out <laughs> to <laughs> Malay in Chinatown, San Francisco, because that's the spot. If you guys don't know where Malay is, go ask your grandma or your grandpa. Knows. Yeah, he knows. Um, that place is, that's where it's at. My grandma's been going there. She refuses to buy it anywhere else. Um, but that dish is just like everything about my childhood wrapped up in one. It was like, I, I recently had it and I was like, this would be my last meal because it's just, comfort in a pot like there's the flavor and the the, my favorite part which is after you cook clay pot rice you get that crispy bottom (laughs) yeah and then oh yeah and then you like get to scrape that bottom part and it's Mm. just crunchy crispy and like I dip it in a little bit of soy sauce or like the extra oil from the lap yolk and it's just it's the best thing so that's that's my childhood go-to meal like anytime my grandma made it for us it was like it's a party
0: And that's that's country food, too. That's uh, Mm -hmm. like I think we're all Southern Chinese here. But uh, that's like my dad. You know, my dad was born in South Dakota um, and I'm I'm like fifth generation Chinese. But what's interesting is that that stuff was passed down because that was their comfort Mm -hmm. food. Right. And so my dad always Mm -hmm. likes clay pot or soups and stews from the from the old country, even though he was born here. And he, in South he passed South Dakota. That down. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, super random. But he passed it down to me. And, and my daughter, my daughter loves Chinese food now, even though she's sixth generation, you know, never been to China in her life, but uh, she loves it. And so it's kind of like uh, things like that get just passed down from generation to generation. And whatever brings your family comfort is probably going to be passed on down to you. So it's pretty cool. Thanks mm-hmm. for that. Lisa, what about you? What, what do you go to when you're just, you need something to give you some comfort? What do you eat?
1: Oh, uh, comfort is definitely like Chinese soup and Chinese dumplings. Because with Chinese dumplings, you can have so many different types of ingredients. So it doesn't always have to be the same one. And I feel like with In dumplings itself, there's just so many different types of dumplings because even though it's Chinese dumplings, it's like Shanghai, wonton is different from Hong Kong wonton. And then like if you want to eat a certain type of dumpling with pork and leek or then you want to have shrimp and leek or like, you know, just pork and bok choy. It's just so many. And then you can also play around with the sauce and so that you can have a spicy or have a salty or have a sweeter. And I also feel like uh, my favorite is dumplings in a hot bowl of soup. It's just like so comforting. And it's just so homey. And, and it's so easy to make, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you got mine, too. I, I was going to say, you know, if I don't eat Asian food for a couple of days or maybe we go <sighs> to vacation in Europe, the first thing I want when I come back is some kind of noodle soup something it can be pho it can be ramen it can be hand-pulled noodles or wonton ton meat it could be some kind of some kind of Asian soup just hits the spot and reminds even though I'm not Japanese but something about ramen or even though I'm not Vietnamese something about pho just gets me the flavors the the warmness yeah just gets me
1: i think it's the soup i think like you know it's just so nice and then like erin for the clay pot rice i love the crispy bottom but my mom had also taught me like when it's like crispy and then you kind of just pour like hot water on it and then just kind of make it (laughs) so it's kind of like crispy porridge because then that um charred flavor is still there it's so good
0: so yeah No, there's fights. There's, there's like fights over that part. Once you get down to the bottom, there will be some battles. I definitely
2: fight. I kind of, I do something that's a little bit, probably not, it's probably frowned upon, but like, I like dig, to the bottom like even when it's not at the bottom yet, i like go in and i like move the fresh rice on top and i'll go for the bottom like from oh, the get <laughs> <And
0: All right. laughs> i gotta check the rule book i don't know i don't know if you're supposed to do that Aaron.
2: that's a that's a red card move for sure i think
0: so yeah
2: i i uh i try to like put the the fluffy rice back on top so no one knows
0: you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes though
2: you know you gotta do it you you do because
1: that's the best part That is. yeah it is um Aaron, if you haven't tried, uh, I went to Hong Kong and there was like this very old school Zai fan place, which is like uh-huh. uh, clay pot rice is their signature. It's called Quan huh Ooh, the waitresses—they're
2: so mean, but the food is so good. <laughs> Yo, <if> that's, <laughs> that's how you, how you know. Good. That's how you know the restaurant's popping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to feel a little bit verbally attacked.
0: If you get yelled yes. at, yeah. If you get yelled at, it's a good day. That's a good day yeah. in a Chinese restaurant.
2: But damn, their food was so good. Yeah, I'm definitely meaning to go back to Hong Kong. I'm just not trying to quarantine for 21 days. But the moment that gets lifted, I'm there. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Should we do this one? Okay, well, let's go ahead and we'll do it. Is there an Asian food that you just can't do? Even if someone is like, you got to try this. It's the best thing ever.
2: I mean, I have family who love this, but I just still haven't been able to do it. Oh, I just thought of another now as I said it. But durian is one of them. I know, I know. This is polarizing, right? Some people really love it, and I know that it does taste better than it smells. But there's just something about it that I, you know, I just can't. It's, it's, it's strong. We can agree that it's strong, right? Like it's got so a strong. very. I can't do it either. Pungent, it's pungent i i had an aunt who brought some (laughs) bless her heart to work and someone called animal services (laughs) oh they straight up thought something died in the lunchroom and that's all you got to know about durian Uh, (laughs) um but i do know like in terms of flavor and like Texturally, i think that's also polarizing but i know the flavor is a lot better than it smells but i just getting past that first step is yeah. is a little much for me and then, um after that it's probably like the blood jello at the supermarkets when i see it in that it tub does. like i just yeah okay i, it's I so i'm good. sorry i'm sorry for all y'all who love that i know like actually is this the same thing that's in Bumbo way in like uh yes, the viet is. soups is it that okay so yeah like i I think it's conceptually it's not a texture thing it's not a flavor thing i think it's totally a conceptual thing just yeah. knowing that it's blood like that and just coagulated that's just you know then ain't my ain't my thing um and the last thing i thought of as, a, as i was saying um was, was is balut the oh, filipino wow.
1: yeah f- wow,
0: fertilized egg
2: okay <laughs> all right lisa, lisa. lisa eats Man, Lisa Eats. <laughs> yeah, Lisa Eats. Hashtag Lisa Eats. Um, yeah, that one just, that one gets me a little bit. I think it's the, it's the whole seeing the animal and then also it's half developed feathers. <laughs> Sorry, if anyone doesn't know what this is, I might be a trigger warning if you ever wanted to Google it. It is like, you know. But for Bella, I don't eat
1: the actual chicken there. I only eat the white and the yellow part my mom eats the duck part or the chick part yeah i see
2: it and like, the, isn't there like a soup
1: yeah it's in it's in a soup so i drink the soup but then like i take out the chick like i don't eat the chick like I <laughs> yes, just so eat the you so part.
2: you don't eat blue really like, <laughs> I, I because
1: <laughs> the um the white part is so different from when you eat an egg it's like crunchy and like it's like really like i like that crunchy texture so i really like it and then like the also the yolk it's a lot creamier than like when you actually eat um just like a regular egg
0: uh for me i was uh i was thinking and i I spent a little time in taiwan at the night markets and i'm gonna say stinky tofu again it's not probably not the taste but I can't get it past the lips, you know. If it's if it's if I smell it a mile and a half away and it smells like feet, I'm, I'm probably, running. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna get it in my mouth. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I mean, I know people in Taiwan they live for it, they love it, they they try to get it here in America and It's hard to find, but I I will pass on the stinky tofu. Well, you do that one, Lisa. Is that is that on your list? Oh Can man.
1: I feel like I can eat it, like I just don't bring myself to eat it. Like you guys did mention stinky tofu and durian, I I don't do either of those. I was so upset one time when my dad came home with durian because I didn't know when I was younger, and I was like, "Why would you bring this home? <laughs> you need to warn us." <laughs> I know I was so upset, but um, growing up, I feel like the smell isn't as bad anymore, but it still stinks. I think stinky tofu, like my friends tried it, they're like, "Oh, it doesn't really taste like anything; it just tastes like tofu." so i would try it but i remember there used to be a stinky tofu restaurant in chinatown when i was really little and i was like every time i walked by that street i was like whose sewer is exploding because (laughs) it was so bad and i think that's that's why they had to close down because um neighbors there's complaints yeah Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: for sure
1: i would try them but i I wouldn't say like is a food I'll never try, mm. but uh, for now I haven't you, tried it. You wouldn't seek it out, no.
2: Yeah. It, it seeks you out, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and it stays with you probably for a while too.
2: Yeah, it lingers.
0: <laughs> All right, Lisa, you got a food that you will not try?
1: I would say I would not try, but then like I I have kind of tried. Um, so bugs, mm. I've seen people eat. Bugs, and it's like actually very popular in Asia too. In Korea, it's still very popular where I think they I think it's silkworms. It looks so gross, but apparently it tastes like chocolate or something. Some kids, when their parents give it to them, like kids apparently like it more than chocolate sometimes as a snack. I just think it's so gross because it's like in a whole cup and it's like a lot of them. Um, they're like not alive though. Stir fried in the wok or something like that, okay.
2: Yeah, those are like juicy, yeah, like they're grubby. I don't know, (laughs) I I imagine about
1: it exploding in your mouth, and it's just oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Oh, that's so interesting, though. It's so about context, though, right? Like, if you grow up eating that as that, like, that's your treat, like, I totally get it, yeah, yeah, like, but yeah, I agree, though. I think, as like, yeah, like Americans, it's just like that's so. Far out mm-hmm.
1: There was like a bug shop in San Francisco before when I was in high school, and one of our teachers he brought us chocolate covered worms or something like that. <laughs> and I did eat one. It tastes
2: like a cake hat.
0: Yeah, when you put when you deep fry it, you throw chocolate on it. I mean
2: Yeah, that could be anything at that point. <laughs> it's it's the concept.
1: But it's like when you're when I was in China, like we walked by like this nightstand and It was pretty gross. Like it's a stand that just sells uh, I don't know, like fried bugs. And there's like spiders, scorpion, and stuff. And I was just like, oh, that does not look appetizing. Why do people sell it? But I did take a bite of a spider
2: leg. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. that was it. But it was still gross. A lot of research is going into how we can cultivate bugs as like a viable source of protein. And it's very much a thing that's happening and like was like, I mean, I know this could be the future and cricket flour is already, you know, a thing uh, on the market. Crickets are a really, really high, you know, source of protein. Yeah, you can get chips and all that. So like, maybe we got to adapt in the near future because uh, it's happening.
0: Yeah,
1: probably. Sure. It does have high proteins, though, and nutrients, apparently.
0: Yeah, and they grow so fast.
1: There's
2: so many of them.
0: (laughs) They don't use a lot of resources. Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, I feel like, again, like we said, it's based on where you grow up, right? And like, it's Mm -hmm. weird to us because we're not exposed to eating bugs. But I know Mm -hmm. a lot of different parts of Asia, they still eat bugs because it's like really normal. And they they think it's very uh, healthy and there's nutrients in it.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally. Fair enough. All right I think we're going to jump into the main segments, which for the today um i'm going to have you guys put your heads together a little bit and come up with i threw out some challenges to you guys and i'll throw out the disclaimer we we're not experts right we're we're fans we love food uh we're not journalists or we're not trying to say this is the only answer, but I threw out some challenges to my guests and i wanted to see what they thought in terms of like food trends that's going on right now so the first challenge was what is something in asian food that is just huge it's global it is pretty much universally loved by everyone and uh this is just something that everyone would know about and so the first challenge to you guys is name a mega food trend coming out of asia it, it's probably been here for 20 30 40 years but name a mega food trend coming out of asia these are like iconic foods uh let's start with Aaron this time you got a mega food trend
2: yeah i think globally speaking instant ramen has got to be everywhere right like i feel like every person every corner store every you know market must have some form of instant noodle um it's almost you know like everyone you know if you've been to college I feel like you've eaten an instant ramen it's not even just like for me actually growing up I like ate that for breakfast because it's like normal it's like Hong Kong style diners you have like instant Mm -hmm. noodles for for breakfast um but like I I think they're just so pervasive everywhere and like it's not just an Asian thing like people you know top ramen people know what that is like you can buy like so many stores like liquor stores even it's like one dollar for like two of them um so that is probably got to be everywhere i mean i have yet to check every continent but i'm sure
0: it's it's so easy it's so cheap it's so Uh easy to cook like if you have no cooking skills if you can boil water you can make a boil water right
2: exactly it's also a great snack
0: it's such a good snack it is a great snack you can eat it dry Yes,
1: crack that powder in the bag, crack it, and then shake it. And you got yourself a snack.
0: But you can make it fancy too. I mean, you could throw in some meat, some veggies. You can dress it up. You can throw in Mm -hmm. some spice. You can go. You put
2: an egg on it, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, spam and egg. Yeah. And fry the spam. Oh, now you got yourself a late night diner.
0: No, I'll, I'll throw in some corn. I'll throw in some frozen peas. It's really flexible. It's a nice yeah I, I i don't think you're wrong Aaron. that is definitely a mega trend if you've ever watched a korean drama it is hard to get through an episode or two without seeing one and then wanting to get one yourself so yeah mm, facts the raw man and that's like actually isn't that kind of their version of netflix and chill like if 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 someone says hey you want to <laughs> have a ramen with me isn't that kind of like a way you of saying come
1: over and eat ramen yeah that is that is
0: right yeah so be careful. <laughs> Be careful who you invite over. You can't just invite anybody over for ramen. You gotta put yeah. some thought into it. All right. Ah, good choice, Aaron. How about you, Lisa? What's your mega food trend out of Asia?
1: I think mega food trend right now um, is definitely Korean food, Korean barbecue. You see it everywhere. Korean meat, anything that's like Korean labeled seems like. To be a new trend with bts as well if you haven't seen mcdonald's <laughs> <laughs> but um i think korean food because i feel like it before it was like really hard to like find anything um that had to do with korean food but now like everyone knows korean barbecue there's kimchi and more like korean snacks available and imported as well so it's like definitely like a huge trend.
0: We were talking about this earlier. It's no no secret that it's the Korean dramas that are pumping this stuff. You watch, have you ever seen this drama called Let's Eat? Have you ever seen that one? It's basically no. it's basically like a, a oh. mukbang, kind of a Korean mukbang drama. He's just eating for like 16 hours. It's amazing.
1: I think one of the K-pop guys uh, yeah. in Highlight, isn't it? Yun yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so go check that out. But don't watch it when you're hungry because that will kill you. That will just kill you. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I think in the, you know, 10, 10, 20 years ago, it was just barbecue. We You know, Korean barbecue has been here for a while. Mm-hmm. But I think in the last 10 years, we've really seen Korean fried chicken, you know, the mm-hmm. the chigae, the topo chigae and those kind of stews.
1: So long tang.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and all the all the bunch on all the stuff that goes along with it mm. is just it's it's super popular right now and so yeah i think that's a good good pick on the trend
2: also did you know h-mart is the largest asian market in this country i did not no i, I, I thought it was I thought, it was I thought it was ranch too but h-mart is has the crown like they have like more stores uh in america than than ranch does so they're you know they're making moves and like I mean, all their—it's not even just Korean stuff, right? Like they obviously have a lot, but they have a lot of different types of Asian groceries and even American groceries now. So I mean, I think the accessibility of these ingredients is becoming greater. So people are allowed, you know, they can they can shop for these things and like Mm -hmm. they see it in the drama.
1: Now you're like, I'm gonna make that book get home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Which Just is like how I, people are awesome.
1: buying all the jjajangmyeon uh, with the um neogori to make the oh, parasite yeah, noodle. after parasite. hmm <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Yep. And there's
0: also some some really good YouTube channels on Korean cooking. So I think together yeah. you have, you know, Mangchi showing you how to do it. And you have H Mart with the ingredients. So it's kind of like, and the drama showing people eating it. It's kind of like the perfect mm-hmm. storm, I think yeah uh, quick plug for episode number three of the infatuation podcast we're doing a review of crying in hmart michelle zowner's book mm. so uh yeah i might have to go to hmart we just got one here in san francisco we just got our first hmart i haven't been yet i gotta get in line the lines are around the block right now but i gotta get in there to do some research I gotta do some research for the
2: a, l- a little bit of crying
0: <laughs> yeah yeah.
2: take a picture of yourself
1: crying in, Ishma. in, in Ishma, yeah. <laughs> for the
0: pod They gotta do it for the pod for
1: the
2: pod
0: you know i'm gonna you know my mega food trend uh is just jumping on lisa's uh, plug from before is dumplings you know mm. like i fun fact i was um i was in shanghai in don't laugh 1997 i was in shanghai and um I went i met a canadian like i don't speak i don't speak mandarin and i met a canadian and i'm in shanghai and he's like you gotta uh, you gotta try this restaurant so we went to this restaurant And he ordered bao. and i'm eating it and i'm using like my chopstick i'm grabbing it out of the little tub thing and he's like a gas like his face <laughs> just looked like I had killed his his cat or something and it's because I was ripping the skin and losing the juice
2: oh. and he was like
0: and the funny thing is this Canadian guy wasn't even Chinese he was a white guy and he's like what are you doing you can't lose the soup and I was like what are you talking about I'm just getting the dumplings I know I was I he was... was
2: offended for us <laughs> yes thank <laughs> you too.
0: for all 1.4 billion Chinese people out there he was he was oh. he was a gas, and he, he collective showed me sigh. he's like you gotta scoop it you gotta scoop it you can't just rip it off the bottom you gotta scoop it up and get the soup so that was my that was my first xiaolongbao in shanghai and yeah that was kind of opened my eyes to the world of dumplings and and a little bit after it wasn't too long after that we started to see restaurants here popping up and now, yeah 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 The, the and just in san francisco there's been a bunch of shanghai restaurants exploding with the xiaolongbao xlbs out there and it's yeah. it's a whole it, it's fine words sometimes like if you get out there and you'll see you know someone's like the dim tai fung is the taiwan kind of version of the xiaolongbao mm-hmm. and then you mm-hmm. have the the shanghai purists are like no you have to have it from a shanghai place and then anywhere in between there's there's more places that are making them colored you know they'll make them kind of oh yeah fancier ones and the dumpling like you said before is, is versatile right it's like you can have pork you can have vegetables you can have chicken you can have vegetables and chicken you know and there's like some are fried some are boiled some are on noodles and they just such a variety and they're such a little perfect food I mean you just pop them in your mouth you get a little bit of the savory. Some of them are a little sweet. You can get them filled with custard. You can get all yes. kinds of different dumplings and black sesame seeds. You can get anything you want. And they're just so yummy. And just, I if it hasn't hit your town, like, I don't know who's listening to this podcast, but if you don't have a dumpling place near you, there are frozen options now that you guys can get. You got to get out there and you got to mm-hmm. try a dumpling. If you haven't had a, a dumpling in a while, go out and get one. It's definitely... For me, a trend that I don't want to see go away anytime soon. I'm happy to have the dumpling trend last as long as it possibly can.
1: I think I'll keep going. I feel like with the frozen option as well, I've seen a lot more companies making them a lot more options out there now and while you're on dumplings i i i have you tried the um bun fried version like the Shanghai Simply. I, like I found them. one in New
2: Work that is like Capiton of Great. Yeah. I actually like those more than Xiaolong Bao. Oh like the Sunzin Bao? Yeah. I I gotta
1: give you that that restaurant I go to because it's like flavor is so good. There's the juice, the soup inside, yeah. the bottom is fried, crispy. Ooh, mm-hmm. so good.
0: Yeah. I was telling I was telling Lisa and Aaron earlier. I mean, we're doing this on Zoom. But pandemic's kind of lifting out here in the Bay Area. So I think our next food episode, I want to do it on location. I think we have to be slurping. We got to have juice running down our chin while we're talking here. (laughs) It'll be like an ASMR mukbang podcast combo. We're just going to do it. And For all those of you who are not in the Bay Area, sorry, I I don't know what to tell you. But you got to get out to the Bay or New York or L.A. or San Jose. You got to get somewhere to get your dumplings on. Or at least Trader Joe's. <laughs> at least go to Trader Joe's. Yeah. Get some dumplings. <laughs> they're not bad. They're not bad. Honestly, you know, they're not the best. But yeah, no, Trader Joe's has some legit Asian options. We, I might have to have a whole episode, a whole podcast on frozen Asian food because I, I think it's legit. All right, moving on to our next category. Good job, guys. Good picks. I agree with all of them. Uh, my next category. Now, this one is you know, you may disagree. You may say, oh, man, that's been around for 10 years already. But for us, it's kind of something we chose. That's a little buzzy right now that we're starting to see more restaurants opening up. We're starting to see uh, some newer things coming on. So this is a buzzy trend. Name something that you are seeing more and more of and you're happy to see it. And it still has room to grow, though. It's not oversaturated. Not necessarily everyone has tried them. So this is kind of the Something that you've kind of noticed popping up a little bit more and and you're happy to see it.
1: I think uh, there are are two different food trends that I am happy to see more of. One is uh, like street food. Um, So I feel like we have a lot of like Chinese food where it's like family style, like dining type of style. But the Asian street food is where we definitely cannot compete with Asia right now. And for one example, there's one that opened in the Bay called Shilin, Um Street Food, I think. And they did the Taiwanese big size like popcorn chicken. And I remember when I was in Beijing, I had something similar. And that was like 10 years ago. And the cooler thing is they had cheese in my chicken. So it was like, <laughs> oh, so good. I and,
0: can see um, you flashing back right now. Your eyes are kind of glazing over with a tear.
1: <laughs> yes. yes, definitely. Like... But like definitely Asian food trend. Um, uh, I just think there's so much easy, small, snackable items that we don't have here that we can bring more of. And one of them is uh, mochis with fruits inside. I've had some here and they're not really that good because like it's really hard to get like the mochi um, texture. And I mean, it differs from different Asian ethnicity as well. Like Japan has their own. But um, from my own experience, I don't even like mochi. When I went to Macau, uh, we saw like a stand that had the fruit mochi. And I bought like one to try it with my sister. And then we stood aside, took a bite. I stepped back over and ordered (laughs) three more. (laughs) It was so good because it was like fresh fruit. And instead of like making it like really small with a cube of the fruit, it was a big slice of fruit in the mochi so it was just like the flavoring was so good together and because the mochi has such a great texture and I've seen people recently like because we're in quarantine a lot of people have been baking and doing more home cooking so I've seen people doing it like as a side hustle and making them but definitely feel like that is one of the food trends that people can work on more because Asian street food is hella good
0: it is it is but i agree I, you know we need those we need the night market i, I think mm-hmm. these these street foods are really best consumed between like 11 11 p.m and 1 a.m like when you're kind of after work you're hanging out with friends you're walking down the street and like in taiwan hong kong and i'm sure in in korea and china too they have these street markets where you're just able to to grab this food for cheap and grab like 10 different things because they're not huge portions you know you can just grab it and keep walking so you're kind of walking it off while you're eating it so yeah we gotta we gotta get the night markets over here so Mm -hmm. that'll really help take off
2: yeah yeah that kind of goes with uh what i was gonna say which is um so these desserts actually asian desserts Mm -hmm. that are trendy I, i think now that i'm thinking about it what the trend is is actually just opening more dessert bars like that's such a part of Asian culture, right? Like after eating, like you just said, like hanging out at night and like just getting dessert with someone, like 9 p.m., like hanging out with friends, like you, you know, you get eggets, you get uh, some sort of tangsoi or like sago Mm -hmm. or, you know, something like that. Um, But if you think about it in like the U.S., like the only late night places you can really hang out are bars. And that's always like, you know, drinking and going out like that. But like just having dessert bars um, or dessert cafes at, that are open till like 1 or 2 a.m that's like super common in asia and yeah. like i would i feel like we it, that's not buzzy in the sense that like we've never seen them here and they're just popping up but i would love to see more of them because i think people are starting to eat some of these street foods and you know get a taste of uh sort of these asian desserts that uh it would be great to have like dedicated restaurants where you can like take it with friends and eat these things
1: Yeah. yeah yeah I feel like it's very cultured because if you think about it in our Cantonese term, we like specifically have a term, what we call late night snacks, which is right? And yeah, yeah, just yeah. It's like a term just for that time of the day to eat. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Like I love eating like all the sweets and all the snacks and you know, being like under 18 or under 21, you can't go to bars. So like kids, we always went to Soi poles and just like ate. Oh, let's hang out at 9 p.m. But let's be safe. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) And it's refreshing, you know, like you get some shave ice in Taiwan and you throw on all the toppings, the red beans and the mochis and the...
2: Oh, yeah, like meat fresh.
0: Yeah, exactly. Ah, yeah,
2: meat fresh. See, that's kind of a thing that's... Well New, new to us here, but like totally a thing in mm-hmm. Asia. <laughs> yeah. Taiwan,
1: yeah. yeah <laughs> Taiwan, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Good picks, Erin. Um, I'm going to go with kind of more of a, a idea. And my buzzy food trend is I, I've kind of noticed a leaning towards less, less of an Americanized version of food and more of an authentic version of food. So maybe less fusion and more authentic like you'll see these guys and they get training in like a culinary academy but when they come home they'll they'll hit up their grandma or their mom to help cook in the kitchen and they'll open a restaurant based on their mom's cooking or their grandma's cooking and i really like this trend i i I hope this continues because you know as much as as much as i like panda express you know i think it's yummy and it's good but i think there's something about cooking with the techniques and the flavors and the, you know, not necessarily, you know, for, for years, you know, both of my grandparents had restaurants in America and I think back in their days in the sixties and seventies and eighties, they, they had to tailor the taste to the neighborhood, you know, whoever was eating it, they had to kind of make it a little more Americanized or, or use things like celery or, you know, use use ingredients that they wouldn't normally use, but it just kind of fed into who was buying their food but i I've, lately i've seen more restaurants kind of trying to, to to go back to the old ways the old techniques maybe maybe digging into a family recipe and this is not just asian food i think this is true for a lot of uh, international food but I, I like this trend and i want to see more of this i want to see i want to see more moms and grandmas recipes you know hidden into the kitchen and, and getting it out to the tables so i'd love to see that
1: Agreed. I think uh, it's also because, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, Asians uh, didn't have that much of an opportunity to open the restaurants uh, before, but now with like more resource. And I think that's how we are able to keep restaurants on for longer, because I know that's definitely like a very common thing back in Asia where like, oh, it's been passed down for generations and like the recipes 100 years old and people would line up to eat there. So I definitely like agree. I love that trend and I hope that trend stays in America as well.
0: Well, some of these big hotels in Vegas, they, they knew they had clientele coming over from Asia and all over the world. And they were flying in chefs from Beijing, flying mm-hmm. in chefs from Hong Kong because they knew they had to be legit. You know, if these people are coming from Beijing, they need to have authentic food. So they, Vegas in the, in the early 2000s started shipping in some talent Shipping in some some talents to do some of their their menus and cooks and cooking and so that's that's been a good trend. Love it. Now this one is kind of an interesting one. The last challenge I'm giving to you guys is to name something that you kind of see on the horizon. Maybe something that's kind of uh, on the down low. Like definitely people know about these, but it's not everyone, right? It's kind of like a, a trend that might be niche something that people kind of are catching on to but you don't see it everywhere and so this is kind of my down low trend can you think of uh asian trend that's kind of on the down low but it's kind of gaining some momentum or maybe it's just kind of like you got to know someone who knows someone (laughs) to get this Mm -hmm. all right uh let's see let's go with Lisa this time why don't you go first
1: well there are two that I think being like Cantonese egg tarts or Portuguese tarts is like such a staple growing up. Like that pot, and and one of the most successful ones in the Bay Area is Golden Gate Bakery, and like everyone lines up to get it. But seems like it's the only place that can make it so good. And I feel like I've also seen like the Japanese version of it, which is KB Bakes. Uh, I think don't really remember. But it's like really popular and they're, they're doing the more like fusion version with the matcha flavors, the ube flavors. So I feel like that's something that's like a download trend that people do want. But there's not that many people who do it for both more authentic old school style and the new version as well. So that's one of them. And because of quarantine, a lot of people have been baking. So I've seen and encountered and tried a few pineapple cake places you don't know what pineapple cake is, um, if you're listening, it's like a sweet dessert that's very popular in Taiwan. And I actually did not like them uh, because I had the ones from the supermarkets here and they are gross. And <laughs> that changed my mind when I went to Taiwan because um, in Ting they have this street where like you can basically try like they have like a whole street full of these pineapple cake places and they give out taste testers. And I tried it. But I couldn't get that hair. And so when I was able to try people who would bake it, it was like some are good, some are very close, and some aren't that good. But that's mm. definitely something I see people kind of looking into doing now. So maybe there's more.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I've, I've had them in Taiwan. I've never had one made here, though. That'd be cool. I like them, though.
2: Yeah, not made, like freshly made. Like I've mm-hmm. only ever had them packaged in the boxes from the markets, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I'd be down. I'd be down for that if they started making mm-hmm. them around here fresh. That'd be good.
1: Yeah, it was really good, actually. But my friend changed the
2: recipe, so it's eh, it's all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, let's see. Go ahead, Erin, with your pick here.
2: For me, I feel like there's a category of condiments that are on the rise. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I feel like I've been seeing... Um, chili oil, kind of the crunchy chili oil that's so popular in so many Chinese restaurants like that starting to take off at like mainstream stores just a little bit like it's still seen as very much a specialty condiment. But I see how the great you know, in the category of hot sauces that it's like making mm-hmm. headway. And I think that's really cool. You see like, uh, you know, I don't know if you've been targeted by like ads for like fly by Jing or any of the momofuku um, mm-hmm. chili oil sauces. I actually don't quote me on the momofuku one, but like someone else makes a a chili oil or some sort of chili sauce as well. Um, And then also like QP, like the Japanese mayo. I put that stuff on everything. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you know, you know that like it's so good on fries, it's good on burgers. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's a kind of a, I feel like it's one of those holy grail pantry items that is so good um, just to have on hand like salads. Oh, it makes the best egg salad sandwich. Yes. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. (laughs) Um, So like QP, I feel like is one of those things that like, once you buy a bottle, you're like, Oh, this is forever going to be a pantry item. Mm -hmm. I also think like, is miso, do you consider that a condiment? I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's not a condiment. You wouldn't top something with it per se, but I feel like people, uh, are cooking with it more like they understand that it has a very important place in creating bases for things uh -hmm. the mommy that comes from miso um for salad dressings for soups for marinades all sorts of things like that's a that's one of those like download things. Like if you know, you know.
0: And you can find it now. Like you can like mm-hmm. ten years ago, you couldn't find miso, but now it's in supermarkets. So you just find. Yeah,
2: miso. and like different brands. Like you can yeah. you can find white miso. You can find you know like there's types now, so that's really cool to see, Um, not just in Asian markets. And um, exo sauce. I feel yeah. like exo sauce is something that we know as like Cantonese um Chinese people like that's something that's definitely a condiment in the pantry but I think it's slowly on the rise I see some people trying to make it commercially so I'm waiting to see if sauce takes off because there's like a category of luxury uh I, you know luxury condiments that um I I see making making some buzz here in the U.S people are starting to get on board with like luxury like condiments. So I wonder if exo sauce can kind of break into that category since it's like market. Yeah. I would love to see that in Very America. Cool. Yeah. Very
0: cool. Very cool. All right. All right. Um, I'm going to go with seaweed now seaweed has been around for hundreds of years. I don't know how long it's been around, but you we've all had it in, in sushi, of course, and maki rolls. But I think it's making a uh, making a in inroads with uh, all different kinds of cooking, but uh, it starts i think it started in Asian cooking and it, it there's a reason it's it 's kind of taken off now is because it's healthy you know it's got a lot of protein in it so if you 're a vegan or a vegetarian it's got a lot of protein in it um it's got minerals it's got natural salt in it so you don't have to add salt to your food of course vitamins and fiber um, it's also super sustainable because it doesn't u- use zero land, you know, like there's no land involved. Uh, it's easy to produce. It, it of course takes up CO2 and produces oxygen. So it's good for the environment and it just tastes good. I think it tastes delicious. So good. Right. Like, um, <laughs> have you guys ever had a uh, kombu? Like they just make this dashi oh, broth. Oh,
1: the, the broth that's yeah. in every Korean um, and Japanese soup base. It's
0: so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's super simple. But now people are using kombu, like they wrap fish in it and they cook it or they make kombu kimchi. Like it's starting to to show up in different ways besides just dashi. And yeah, and of course, like if, you, if I had a choice between like a lettuce salad and a seaweed salad, I'm taking the seaweed salad uh, every yes. single time it's chewier it's got the flavor but it's still healthy for you so i feel it's green right so i'm eating my greens but Mm -hmm. it's got the texture like like i'll eat salad just because i know it's good for me but seaweed salad i'll reach for it right you know i'll i'll ask for it i'll order it because it's so good
1: i also love how seaweed is like um you know the dry ones where you can snack on them because they're like easy and then you just have hot rice and then you just eat it it's so good
0: or furikake, the, the sprinkle powder that you sprinkle Yeah, yeah, on yeah.
1: With. Yeah. And then like, um, if you want just a little bit, you know, you can rip it up and then like dash a little on top of your food for that extra flavoring. And I love how like when I first ate it when I was a kid, because like, you know, with seaweed, we had always associated it with sushi. So Japan, and there was like a spicy one. So that one was my favorite. But I love how like I eat Japanese seaweed salads and they're like really good i love how the texture can be so
2: different too you know there's a lot of kombu on the west coast and you can actually forage it you can just go to yeah like down by half moon bay or up by like um like north bay uh in marin there's like a lot of places you can collect it
0: it's just laying there for free
2: it's laying there for free (laughs) y'all
0: yeah no i i i do a little foraging but I, I gotta look i gotta work on my recognition skills it's like mm-hmm. you can't just eat any seaweed but yeah there's definitely four or five kinds of edible
2: ones there's like wakame out there there's like rockweed. there's like a whole bunch of stuff that you can eat out on the coastline which is pretty awesome
0: even kelp yeah you can just slice it up make pickles mm-hmm. out of kelp yeah it's pretty cool mm-hmm. all right nice job guys thank you for that is there anything you want to throw in here at the end any plugs for restaurants go ahead shout out your favorite restaurants
2: just go to your local restaurants
1: if you haven't tried like a loco like asian restaurant you see because it looks like rundown or something like that i'm telling you it's the best and if you want advice if there's a child doing their homework that is the one you go Uh to (laughs)
0: <laughs> that was you. you that know. was you <laughs> that
1: was that nice.
2: is amazing I love that that's a great descriptor
0: yeah and, uh, you know we should give a shout out to our our local Chinese restaurants too or Asian restaurants yes. because they have been hammered by this yes. pandemic and it's it's hard I mean we even went to one uh, a couple weeks ago and, and the service was pretty bad and you know the guy came up to me and apologized and he was like you know we just can't hire anyone right now so they're they're yeah. getting hit but, yeah. You know, and then people will leave the one star Yelp review because you know their service wasn't good or whatever. So these restaurants need a yeah. break. If
1: you go on Yelp and you give people bad stars because of a service, get off of Yelp because that's for food. Like and I just feel like you're hurting a business just by, you know, I, I feel like if you don't like their service, you can talk to them instead of like just saying they're rude because people go on Yelp to find a place that is it tastes good. And it does a lot more damage than like you think. So I feel like with the internet, people really have to think about the things they say and like how it can affect people. Yeah. yeah. Our local restaurants have been hit hard, so please support them.
0: Yeah, and Chinatown's like a ghost town right now, and it's, yeah. it's just super hard. Cause these are, you know, and and I think we both shared that we had families in the restaurant business, and and people pour their heart and souls into these businesses, you know, and it's really just tough times for everyone right now, but it's especially our our Asian restaurants got got really hammered by this pandemic. So go eat local. If they if you have a problem with it, talk to talk to them directly. You don't have to leave mm-hmm. a bad review. Let them know it's fine, but yeah. you don't have to rip them just because, you know, your food was 10 minutes late or something like that.
1: I saw the saying, um, which is that when you're supporting a local business, you're supporting a family putting food on the table and not some CEO trying to get a new vacation home.
0: Yeah, for real, for real. No, it's a struggle. The restaurant business is already hard. I mean, it's already just a tough, tough business. Uh, I have a friend who has a Thai restaurant. And you know, this is a couple of years ago. And they were like, yeah, you know, we're doing DoorDash. We're doing Grubhub. And we're producing twice as much food, but we're making the same amount of money because yeah. they had to hire more Commission. people to cook the food. Right. But then they got to, you know, Grubhub takes their cut, DoorDash takes their cut. So by the end of the night they're exhausted because they had so many more orders. So they're feeling good. They're like, hey, we had a hundred orders tonight. But in reality, when they, when they count up the money, they realize, man, we're, we're not making any more. We're making the exact same as before. And so, the restaurant business is just tough. It's just super mm-hmm. tough. So all you, uh, yeah. all you business owners out there, we feel for you. Please go to the local mom and pop shops. Go, uh, go yeah. say hello and just order some food. Order it to go. You sit in there. Now we're opening up a little bit more, but just support them in any way you can.
1: For those in the Bay Area, I'm just going to shout out a few restaurants. Washington Bakery, R&G Lounge, Daeho, Sticks. Oh, and- yeah, Sticks. Yeah, Sticks. Where you get the Korean hot dog, corn dog thing yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. cool Thank great choices thanks Aaron, you got any shout outs you had one shout out earlier yeah
2: did i say earlier but i i mean i have so many places i think of uh, a few places off of Terrell that i really want to plug dumpling kitchen yes. uh yes. dumpling specialist new Terrell cafe uh house of pancakes please go get your asian food um it's those are some of my go-to places uh around my hood in the sunset. Yes, sunset if you're looking for any of those dumplings that we were talking about earlier like those spots are the ones new terrible cafe is just a uh, your good old american diner but it is run by a uh, chinese family and uh, they're really lovely uh, so shout out to stan at new terrible cafe mm-hmm. um yeah but you know you make a good point which is like a lot of these delivery services take huge cuts and i know because mm-hmm. i've you know like i've worked with restaurants who are like yeah they take like a significant percentage. So if you can just like stop by and pick it up yourself, don't order where they, you know, the delivery, go by, say hi to them. That makes a huge difference, honestly. Like I'm talking like 20, 30% commission off of these orders, like it's steep. So if you wanna support your local restaurants, really just order, call in and order from them. Yeah.
0: Plus Asian food has a real thin margin, you know, like there, I think people, you know, if you go to Gary Danko, you're used to paying a hundred bucks, but you know, you go to a Chinese restaurant you're used to spending, you know, eight to $12 on a dish. And and so yeah. the profit margin on these dishes is slim to begin with. So you throw in DoorDash or Grubhub or Postmates or whatever, you throw mm-hmm. in that on top of it. I mean, I like those services and I've been lazy sometimes, but you know, honestly, I need the walk anyway, right? I need the fresh air. <laughs> I need to get out of the house. So if I can, yeah. I'll try to go in and call the restaurant directly or, or better yet, walk in yourself.
1: Yeah. And in the peninsula, there's Tawny's, there's Tomson, there's a mommy for Japanese food. There's Fat Wong's Kitchen for Chinese food. There's so much options. If you just like go on Yelp and just look up like some of these places. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, by you just supporting and just dropping by and taking a, a car ride for fresh air. I mean, you're supporting them more than you clicking on your Hub.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, I'm glad we got that plug in. I really, I'm really glad we did that. And um, I just want to thank you guys for spending an afternoon with me talking food. My stomach is ready for some food right now, but uh, thanks for joining me um, next time. Yeah. Next time I owe you guys dumplings or whatever you want. We'll have to, we'll have to get some food together. Um, if you want to follow Lisa on Instagram, are you okay with this plug?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Follow Lisa at I eat, sleep, play on Instagram. And if you want to follow Aaron, Aaron's on Instagram as well at Aaron G G G.
2: Correct.
0: On Instagram, follow her uh, website at com. That's E R I N N G.com. And if you want to email us, we are at podcast at gmail.com. So that does it for episode number two. Thank you to my guests and we'll do it again. We'll do it again soon. And thank you out there so much for listening. I don't even know who you are. So send me an email. Let me know who you are. <laughs> do you like our picks? Do you disagree with our picks? Do you have a recommendation for us? Let us know your thoughts at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com. And please follow us on Instagram and Facebook as well at infatuationpodcast. All these details will be in the show notes. I'll put as many shout out links as I can. Lisa threw out about a dozen, but I'll try to put them in the in the <laughs> show notes so you can find them. Uh, more episodes coming soon like i said we have one coming up on music we have one on the olympics we have a lot of good stuff planned so keep keep looking out for new episodes wherever you get your podcasts and until then on behalf of aaron lisa and myself we hope you are all happy healthy and safe thank you again and talk to you soon
2: Bye. bye bye